Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shireko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shireko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power Calls, welcome. This is Susan Shireko. David Forget joins us today to tell us about his book, Latent Heat, A Year's Worth. It's one of several books that David has written, three books of poetry and two books of stories. He loves to write, and even more, he loves to read his poetry to others. Please wave your hands to welcome David Forget. Hello, David. Welcome. Hello, Susan. Great to be here. I'm so glad you're here. It's a great day to be talking about poetry. Now, I have to ask, because I don't know, <laughs> what's, is there a special meaning to the title Latent Heat? Yes, uh, Latent Heat is a, uh, it's a thermodynamic term. It, it's in reference to uh, the phase change, in, in most cases, water, where mm-hmm. it goes from a, uh, <clears throat> it, it may go from a liquid to a vapor or vapor back to a liquid. It, there's a phase change in latent heat. That's what you call latent heat, the phase change. Anything outside of that is called sensible heat, which is where you get a temperature reading. Oh. And how do the poems re- relate to latent heat? Well, latent heat is... It, it, I went through a phase change when I wrote the book, Latent Heat. Uh, I was going through a huge transition in my life. Um, I, it, it's in the story, uh, my, my other storybook, the Jesuit, a Christian gets his wings. Um, uh, I go on about uh, how I went from a, uh, psychiatric facility. Then I went into the community while I was in the community. Uh, I then tra- transitioned to a discharge and, and it took a little while. Mm-hmm. So I just wrote how I was feeling for for a year and and during throughout the change. And that was the phase change. Gotcha. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Now Don, yes. you had a 19-year career in a field that has all I mean to me has all but been forgotten, the merchant marines. Um that's and I assume that's where you were transitioning from um when you described that, unless it could have been something else, but I know you did make a transition. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Merchant Marines and how you came to be there? Well, the Merchant Marine is typically the uh, private sector of uh, shipping. Uh, you have the Navy, which is the military, and then you have the Merchant Marine, which is more, it's merchant, the term merchant is they're like merchant ships. They, uh, they deliver goods. They deliver all sorts of things, and uh, it's more profit. It's more based around profit. And uh, but I, merchant ships can be acquired by the U.S. government of defense, Department of Defense, mm-hmm. during wartime. So it's the fifth branch of service during wartime. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. So were you dragged into that during wartime? 
No, no, I wasn't dragged into it. I, I come from a line. I I come from a long line of uh, seafarers. My mm-hmm. my grandfather was a pilot on tugboats, particularly in New York Harbor and the Panama Canal. He he was a, he worked on a ferry in Panama Canal. Mm-hmm. Uh, my that was on my father's side. My father's father. My mom's father worked in the shipyards, uh, particularly in Panama and whatnot and uh and then my brother one of my brothers uh ray my oldest brother he became he was a chief engineer he there's a 19 year gap between my brother's age and mine mine mm-hmm. and he was he went to fort schuyler which is where i ended up going after after quite a few years and uh i have another brother joe well, that was the oldest brother's Ray, and the other brother Joe. He he he's a, he was in the Merchant Marine also. He was in the deck department, whereas my brother Ray and I were in the engineering department. And in in the deck department, um, uh, the career uh, top of the career is when you become a captain, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then with the engineering department, uh, chief engineer is the highest. Uh, rating that you could get well i'll tell you the the merchant marine to me has a very romantic feeling about it i don't know where i picked that up it must be in old hollywood movies or something (laughs) but what is it really like uh the merchant marine Mm -hmm. um it i i would spend about uh eight months out of the year at sea Oh wow! For for a number of years, I was I had a my sea total sea service is five years. I spent five years at sea. Out of the nineteen years, I held an engineering license, and um, <clears throat> I I served as a deck as an engineering officer, um, and and you basically is you keep the lights burning and the shaft turning. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny how we come up with cute little phrases to to sum it yeah. all up. <laughs> now you you also atter- attended SUNY, which is what the State University of New York, for a couple of years, which got you started with your poetry. Um, and you told me you are a big fan of Byron. Again, Byron is a romanticist, and in engineering and Byron, I I just said science and romance. I I was confused. Well, the term romance, the connotation there is uh, it's adventure, and Byron is quite adventurous. He 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 served he helped the uh, Greeks fight the uh, Turk Turk Ottoman Turks way back in like uh, 18th century, I believe, uh, maybe early uh, or late early 19th century, and um, he. Uh, he, he, so he helped the Greeks. He, he's pretty revered in, in, in Greek culture. Um, and I, um, a friend of mine who owns uh, Curly's Diner, which is where I got started writing poetry. Um, she, she particularly liked Byron too because of what he did for the Greeks. Um, also, um, he he was a bit of a swimmer. He would he would go on these long swims, which is very interesting. 
he was very charismatic in his in his acts and in, in what he did, not only in writing but in what what he did in life, which is amazing. Um, as far as engineering goes, um, I was particularly uh, inspired when I took a course called Science and Society Society at uh, SUNY Morrisville Mar- College. That was a two-year college. Um, and that, and the, we discussed the the ailments of our, our environment, the ecosystem, and also we also we just we discussed possible uh, remedies, you know, possible ways of uh, ideas of uh, approaching these problems we have in our ecosystem or environment, uh, and that that triggered me to gravitate more to uh engineering mm-hmm. uh soft technologies like solar and wind power um, but uh I gravitated towards um math and um literature that those uh-huh. those were, okay. those were, those were the courses that i uh I enjoyed the most yeah well, you seem to have found yourself in writing. I mean, you make it, what I find interesting is you make it special for other people by adding a philanthropic side so that when, you, when you're selling your books, a portion of what you make is going to various charities. Yes. Uh, 90% of the royalties from my books, both the storybooks and the, the uh, poetry, uh, are going to charities um, everywhere from the homeless to um, AHRC, which is for the devel- mentally developmentally uh, inept, uh, and, and also to the PBS NewsHour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so, PBS. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and one one hundred percent of the. Um, Royalties from the poetry books will go to the homeless, helping the homeless after taxes, and mm-hmm. then um, then the storybooks. Ninety percent of the royalties will go to uh, AHRC and uh, PBS News News Hour after taxes. So I end up with ten percent because I got to eat too, you know. That's right. That's right. Everyone needs to get a little bit. <laughs> Don't get carried away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. David, David, you've self-published all five books you've written, right? Yes, I have. Um, a Latent Heat was uh, re- uh, republished, became a revised edition through the uh, publisher Austin McCauley. Uh, and so the republication, they help out with the um, marketing expenses, which is very nice. Now they call it a uh, uh, hybrid uh, publication or, or vanity ah. publishing. Yeah. Okay. Because that is, you don't hear a lot of independent publishers contributing to the marketing costs. So that is, but the term that they use is hybrid. That's interesting. So they cover some of the costs and some of the setup? Yes, some of the costs of our marketing. Uh, I paid for the uh, editing 
when I went to uh, Ex Libris was the uh, self-publishing company that I used for a number of years. Uh, my published Leighton Heat, they said that uh, they couldn't uh, edit the poetry, so I had to try to edit myself. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so and then <clears throat> years later, um, I got a hold of Austin McCauley. They reviewed the book and they they liked it, and they they were able to publish the book. And there, there were some typos; they changed the cover. Um, and there is there was a difference, and they did a very mm-hmm. good a, a great job doing the um, editing. That's fantastic. It's always nice. It's refreshing to hear somebody speak well of the company that's publishing their book. Um, David, you mentioned that you have limited means to promote your books. So what do you do? Um, well, what I found I, I, I do, what, what I do now is I, I recite the poetry. Um, I'm working on a project. I have 175 poems that I published uh, all the, out of three books, titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, 174 poems, uh, ones I, of course, I published. And there was one poem called How Long You've Been a Sailor that's in public domain. Um, and <clears throat> How Long You've Been a Sailor, is, it, it's a saying that all the uh, cadets and midshipmen had to learn in the academies, both uh, uh, March Marine Academies and the Naval Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, so you're yeah. basically you're working. I mean, I I can't. I mean, I I remember when I was back in New York, and you know, we were all actors trying to get gigs, and there would be places we could go to sing for free, and that was an that was an awesome thing to be able to do, and people could hear you, and you got to practice. It was wonderful. Do they? Is this sort of what you're describing when you say you recite poetry? Yes, uh, the 175 poems. I I started September 5th of 2021. I started reciting the poetry every week uh, at certain venues, and I'm I'm up to 30 poems now um, that I can recite by heart. Um, And I make videos. Yeah, that's another way of marketing. I put it on YouTube. You you can go to uh, YouTube and. Search my name, David Fredette, and you'll see my videos. I have so many videos. And I, I, I add to them every every once in a while, every month or so. I add, uh, I put another video on YouTube. I put it on TikTok. I, my handle there is uh, David Fredette 351 if you're interested in TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's, another, that's another way of marketing. Yeah. Well, that is. It's... Uh... It, but it's time consuming, yes? You you make your way you have like a routine that you know, on Saturday night you're one place and you start learning your new poem and then you just work it all week until you've got it down? Yes, yes. I <clears throat> I I've been adding like one poem on a week from the hundred and seventy five to the I call it the recitation catalog, which has thirty now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I each week I try to add on one more poem, one more poem next week, and uh, uh, that that's been working out pretty well. 
And I, I go to at least one open mic a week. Sometimes I do three. Uh, I'm, I'm semi-retired. I'm pretty much retired now, so I, I have free time to do such things. And, uh, that's that's pretty cool. Now, do you have a favorite type of poem that works better in this environment? Uh, yes, I can... Uh, <clears throat> I can recite one that's very appropriate for this time of year. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Would you like to me recite it? Sure. Oh, oh, please. That would be wonderful. <clears throat> okay. It's called Easter. And it goes, <clears throat> I'm silent as I look past the deer. Spring winds howl with winter's disdain for heat. A Christian wipes the chow hall windows clear. Behind the dough, our Lord is raised from dead. Divine visions cast a sense of relief. For now I can dream about pleasant times without the limits when we lack belief. Belief in something that's beyond these lines. Aliens, Buddha, Reverend Moon, Jade Christ, we struggle to learn most all they have taught, all of which may be candidates for life. Maybe it's just another train of thought. But I cannot consume the venison. It's six inches tall and made of plastic right next to the canvas that Christ is on. Transparency, just fine and fantastic. <laughs> I got. A, I have another short poem, a real tiny poem uh, called, you know, because it's another time of the year is, St. Patrick's Day, of course. Oh, sure. That's right. Right around the <clears throat> it's, called, it's called Blarney Stone. Uh, it goes, sharp tongues and clever passes may alter the minds with the gist for fo- fortune and romance. But blatant bits of shrieking fits will surely achieve passive solitude. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you perform... Do you make a big deal about your costume? I mean, is this something where you have a professional uniform? Yes, I do. I I, I bought a derby at a um, a Goodwill a thrift store. Uh, well, I, I spent the whole day looking for a, a fedora. Actually, uh, I went. I drove from uh, Long Island, which which is where my dad lives up to uh, Connecticut and I stopped at various places. I stopped, I stopped at the mall, first of all, and they didn't have any fedoras. Uh, And I I worked my way up to uh, Stanford, Connecticut. And when I got to Stanford, I I went to several places before that, but the last stop was Goodwill. I walked in there, I walked around, then I looked down, there there was the hat, the derby, or a bowler. It was Mm -hmm. a bowler, Mm -hmm. black bowler. And yeah, it was great. I paid six dollars for it, and um, and I also wear a uh, tweed jacket in, in the cool, cooler months. But uh, during the summer, I will be wearing pretty much like these colorful, colorful uh, short sleeve uh, shirts and, and the derby during the summer mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. That's that sounds like a a great outfit to capture people's attention and remind them who you are when you're not on stage. Um, where do people buy your books, David? Uh, you can buy my books at um, davidfredettebooks.com. 
com, or you can find them on Amazon. But it's pretty convenient at davidfordettbooks.com because all the books are there and all the descriptions and whatnot. Right. Can, can you spell David for Debt for our listeners because they may not know? <clears throat> That's uh, David, D-A-V-I-D, for Debt, F-R-E-D is in David, E is an echo, T is in tango, T is in tango, E is an echo. Books, B-O-O-K-S dot com. Perfect, perfect. And how can they find out about your performance schedule? Um, well, let's see. I am, I go to um, the Green Hill Kitchen in Greenport every every Thursday at 6 p.m. That's the one I've been going. I went during the winter. I, I was there every week, pretty much, and uh, that that's pretty much my base. And then I go to many other places. I I go to, like last night. I went to uh, under St. Mark's in the East Village. It's on uh, St. Mark's Place, uh, mm-hmm. going in the East Village. Uh, yeah, it's called under St. Mark's. The, they're uh, they're on. Tuesdays, 9.30 p.m. to, like, midnight, past midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that last night. <clears throat> and I go to Astoria. I go to QED sometimes, uh, which is in Astoria. Um, I'm going to Jerky's tomorrow, uh, tonight, tonight, actually, at um, 7.30, I believe. And um, Jerky's in Stanford, Connecticut, on Summer Street. It's J E R K Z. Jerky's. Jerky's with a Z. Okay. Now, yeah. there's no there's no directory where you keep all this. Like on your David for debt site, you don't have a list of upcoming not, events. Not yet, uh, because it, it, it's pretty much in its infancy. It's it's just mm-hmm. getting started, and um, like I said, I, I do go to. If you want to catch me there, I, I do go to Greenport uh, Green Hill Kitchen. That's mm-hmm. 6 p.m. Thursday. <clears throat> other other than that, it's kind of sporadic. You know, I I I just go to play different venues at different times because I'm just learning the schedules of these various places. So eventually uh, I I will have a set schedule where I be I will be going. <clears throat> Won't that be but fun? I, Won't you feel like you've arrived when you have a set schedule? Yes, I will. But there's so many <laughs> of them. I'm, I'm finding, you know, there's there's some down in DC that I'm looking at. You know, I was thinking oh, going on to Washington DC and doing some mm-hmm. down there. Uh because it's uh it's right on the um Amtrak line, uh, like I, I live in Stanford, Connecticut, so I, I, mm-hmm. I can walk to the uh, train station, pick up a Amtrak or Accela, and go right down to D.C. And, and what, I don't know, what, two hours or something, two to four hours. I'll be down in that, D.C. Yeah, that's and I could, yeah, yeah, that's great. It's better than driving, you know. Mm-hmm. You got and the that, park, and you have to figure out the cost of gas. It's much more convenient. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then there's Boston. Not, 
that's the other end of the uh, line. You, you can go mm-hmm. from uh, D- Washington, D.C. to Boston. I, I haven't even looked into that. I'm sure there's some place. I particularly like coffee shops um, mm. or or coffee shops with libraries or even libraries. But coffee, uh, there's a place near my dad's in Sun Riches that they, there's a coffee shop and a library. All the, co- the coffee shop is in the library. And... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, like places like that, they haven't started an open mic there though, but hopefully they will. You know, that would be fun. I mean, it seems to me like there's. Well, I mean, you would know better than I do that, that there's a natural place for that kind of performing in those venues. Um, is it always easy to find a place where you can do your poetry? It it's not easy. It's not easy. A lot, a lot of the open mics there. They're all about music. Um, uh-huh. The one I went to last night is more of a, it's more free range. There's, there's comedians there at St. Mark's, under St. Mark's. There's comedians, there's uh, musicians, uh, there's people playing parts, um, like in a little act. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's more variety at St. Mark's. Uh, Green Hill Kitchen has a variety. Uh, I'm the only poet there, though, right now. When I, <clears throat> but I went to jerk. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that is a, you know, I, we hear so many ways that people try to promote their work. And it's not always easy to figure out what to do. But I, it sounds to me, as a poet, that you have found a really good venue for that. Uh, because they might not just pick up the book, but they'll listen. And respond. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> and I meet a lot of people doing that. And I, I have these my uh, business cards. I, I just print them out and I set a business card. I hand out business cards. But when people come up to me, they talk to me about the work. Yeah, I'll give them a business card, you know, so they can catch mm-hmm. up on the um, on the website and the books. That's great. That's absolutely great. Well, thank yeah. you so much for sharing your story and your books with us, David. Uh, let's remind our listeners that we've been speaking with David Fredette about Latent Heat, A Year's Worth, which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at davidfredette.com. So for uh, those of you who... DavidFredetteBooks.com. Thank you. Yeah. And for those of you in his immediate area, it might be fun to join him one evening when he's doing a set. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> that would be, um, I think, you know, you you have to sort of hit or miss to see where he is. But do they publish it in papers? In papers? Uh, yeah. The open mics, you mean? Do you mean it? Do they publish the open mics or the poetry? The open mics, so that you would know where they're being held. Um, it's the internet. You know, I that's mm-hmm. how I find the venues. I, it's just scouring okay. the internet, making phone calls. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. So po- somebody could find you if they were you were in their neighborhood because they'd know the spots where open mics are held. That would be awesome. Very awesome. Well, thank you again, David, for sharing your books with us and a little bit of your poetry and this little adventure you have of doing these 
open mic events. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, David. That does it for us today, folks. Bye for now, and have a great day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.